Are you ready to start being visible? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the Start Being Visible podcast. My name is Mildred Talabi. I've spent most of my working life mastering the art of personal branding in my career as a former journalist and communications professional and in my business, which has taken on various forms over the years. I now spend my time championing and coaching women to increase their influence, income and impact through being visible on platforms like LinkedIn and beyond. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you my insights into the journey to be invisible, as well as bringing you amazing, candid conversations with female leaders who have chosen to step out of the shadows and into the limelight in their work lives. Now, I want you to hit the subscribe button and get ready to start your own journey to be invisible with today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Start Being Visible. Now, my guest in today's session is an awesome lady called Zamiha Desai. Now, Zamiha refers to herself as an accidental entrepreneur. In April 2016, Zamiha started a Facebook group, Recommend Asian, as a place to share ideas, tips, and recommendations on Asian lifestyle with her friends. Now, the group launched with 219 Asian women members, and today, Seven years later, the online community has grown to over 70,000 members and their sister group, Professional Asian, which is for both men and women, has over 80,000 members. Now, both groups are focused on Asian lifestyles and affectionately, affectionately referred to as the Asian Google. So basically, you can type and find everything Asian related from advice to gifts to products and services on both of Zamiha's platforms. Now, I wanted to bring Zamiha on the show today because of her incredible achievements building this online community. But also, on a more personal level, I wanted to talk to Zamiha about her experience of dealing with loss and grief in the public eye and what lessons that we can learn from this for our own lives. So Zamiha, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Start Being Visible. Oh, thank you, Mildred. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So the, the I want to start with, in your bio, it talks about how you consider yourself as an accidental entrepreneur so you never intended to become a business person so how did that journey start how did you end up doing what you do today talk us through that so i was working at um a head office of a massive retailer uh i loved my job and everything and um i'd met this lady at the mosque who was wearing a sari and i was just joking that i was 43 years old and i still didn't know how to put my own sari on and uh, she said that she had this gadget that was like a sari pleater so i went and got one on amazon and I was like, this is life changing because, you know, I could do it myself in like five minutes. It was really easy. And I think community wise, a lot of my community left East Africa and Uganda at the big exodus, um, arrived here in 71. I was born in 72. So I'm British born and bred. And we did like assimilate into the Western culture quite a lot. And I think therefore some of the traditions may have kind of got lost and for the younger person wearing a sari, for me personally, that was one of them. And I think I know quite a lot of people that are the same age as me, same situation, you know, born and bred here, um, have links to the culture, but maybe not that much. And I thought, well, you know what, this is a game changer because there are people that don't know how to, you know, wear the, the Eastern attire appropriately. And so I just thought, I really want to tell my friends about this. So I just set up the group and it just gained momentum quite quickly. Uh, and a few months later at my work, there was a, a, a change in management. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I did because they'd made loads of redundancies. They'd changed the way that, you know, the corporate structure and the way they were working. And meanwhile, this group was taking up all of my free time. So I'd said to my husband that, you know, maybe I can do something with this. And he said, well, you know what, I'll support you for six months. Just try. If you don't succeed, go back to um, corporate life. So I just said, OK. So I just quit my job and put my all into it. And uh, and here we are today. <laughs> wow. I, I love that 
I love I love how your 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 late husband is just like just try if you don't succeed go back you know you go back into work because sometimes a lot of the thing that's stopping people from going into their own business especially women I speak to a lot of women in the line of my work um so it's that fear of what if it what if it goes wrong what if I fail you yeah. know so was that kind of in the back of your mind I know you had your husband giving you the, the thumbs up but was that in the back of your mind that what if I fail? You know, did, did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm quite a risk averse person. And so it was a big decision for me. But I mean, I, I guess I had that comfort blanket. Had he not been so supportive, uh, if we were in a different financial situation, you know, maybe I would have played it differently. I think you do have your priorities. You you know, I was what, 44 at that time then. So, you know, I had kids, um, I had a husband, I had things going on, I had bills to pay. Luckily, his business was doing quite well at the time. So, yeah, it was, it, it was a big risk for me, but cushioned um, by the support around me with him and with my family. So, mm. yeah, it is a big decision, though. Yeah. So growing up, you never considered having your own business. Were you always kind of, did you have a set track that you wanted to go down in your career? And, and then this business came along by accident. Or was there in the back of your mind at some point you thought, I'd love to start a business. I don't know what it is. So I'm just going to keep working and, and hope it materialises at some point. So I had never thought to start my own business. And both my parents had their own businesses. Like I said, I'm quite risk averse in that security of the, you know, get your paycheck every month. You know how much you're going to get paid. You know, you know what you're earning and stuff. I think that was a big plus point for me. Um, when I had left university I did my degree in media studies and I'd worked, I'd gone into television freelancing and I think that was like it didn't suit me I, I wasn't happy freelancing I felt like I was always starting from the bottom every time I got a new contract it was quite a cutthroat industry um, there was just so many kind of politics and everything at that time and there was a lot of competition as well so I just I wasn't kind of, I enjoyed the work. I loved the work, but I was never confident or strong enough to just go out and kind of insist on getting better positions and stuff. I was just kind of grateful that I had something. And then I switched careers and I um, went into banking. So just back office, kind of more admin stuff. And I did enjoy, you know, the fact that I could go to work nine to five, not do like kind of, you know, 20 hours days, which you, you sometimes do on a film set and just go home, go out with my friends, have a bit of a social life. Again, know where my money was coming from, you know, had the pension, had everything going on there. So, you know, it was different. But then I did find it a bit boring. Like it was, it, you know, it can be a bit mundane. And I got an opportunity to go into project office, which weirdly is kind of like TV because you've got like short series of work. You just, you know, do it till it's done. You kind of go the whole way through from inception to seeing the end product. And it's a lot of organization because I was in production. It was always organization. So I kind of found my groove with that and I really enjoyed it. And then that's what I did for the next few years uh, until all this happened <laughs> and you said you started the, the the facebook group recommend asian you know and you were 43 44 at the time so essentially you started a brand new career in what some people would say oh that's a bit late to be starting a new career because by this point i'm guessing you had a mortgage to pay you know you got you got kids right you got two kids i believe it is the you know late yeah. teens so you had all of these kind of things going on so did you think that you were going to succeed in that six month period that your husband gave you did you feel like I'm gonna make this work or was it just literally just a case of let me try it and see how it goes and then I mean, it just took you by surprise absolutely suck it and see <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and to be honest I ended up being in a little bit of debt because I didn't want to tell my husband how little I actually earned in my first year. I think in my first year I made about £3,000, which is good because I was in the black. So mm -hmm. I'm not like, that is a good thing for a new business, I think. How did you make that, by the way? What were you selling? So I was selling basically advertising on the group. So people wanted to uh, kind of market their businesses. 
and I had like a niche audience mm. so it was it was you know British Asians you know they the large majority of the group still is UK based it's kind of 25 to 55 it's got a good like spending demographic like they're in charge of their own money they're the decision makers so it, it was a good demographic and it's quite hard unless you really know what you're doing to kind of boost ads or do any advertising on Facebook or Instagram to a particular ethnicity mm. so I think that was where it was and because it was like it started off specifically kind of Asian-ish products so while like saris and lengas and all that kind of thing it was always like uh, Mendy artists or um, somebody that could do um, Asian like Bollywood style makeup or you know and then it kind of grew to you know personal trainers that understood that you might have a particular diet or you know particular mm. food choices and um, you know uh, lawyers that would understand that you might have like a Sharia law or like some cultural uh, anomalies that that, <laughs> that that happen within you know our society and um, so it was it was all that kind of Asian Asian-ish stuff so I think it was a good place for people to market their business and that people appreciate that they're doing that this and they can preserve a side of their culture you know so there's events like Diwali and Eid and you know these kind of things that that are very Asian and people love celebrating but then we've also got the fusion style kind of mitai and the cakes and all that kind of stuff so it, I mean like I think it it just worked really well but I at that time groups were I wouldn't say they were new but they were kind of up and coming and yes. I think Facebook had started putting a lot of emphasis on the community element of Facebook and stuff so I think you know it was quite good timing as well for me but mm. At that point, nobody was really charging to be in Facebook groups. Like now you get it all the time, you know, it's like membership groups and, and stuff like that. But at that time, there was a lot of why should I pay you because it's free? Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, well, my time's not free. I'm like investing <laughs> my time into running this, into, you know, creating engagement. And I don't think people realize how much work there is with a really good engaged community group. Yeah. So people were paying to be members of your Facebook group and you were selling advertising. Is that right? No. So they were paying to be advertising members. So it was ah. free to join, mm -hmm. but if you wanted to promote your business, mm -hmm. then there was there was a fee and and it was it was more like like the spammy people you know the mm. people that were just kind of trying to make a quick buck like all the MLM businesses weren't allowed to advertise and they're still not allowed to advertise because it was like you know it was just more of the same thing so we could be a bit more selective we know that who the members are where they live what their mm. phone numbers are if anything goes wrong which to be honest it seldom does then you know at least we can kind of chase it up and help mediate between members uh and in fact the things that go wrong generally in the group it, are when people don't advertise and they kind of go in via somebody's messages and you know uh, inbox them and uh, and then don't deliver to the quality that we would hope our members would deliver to um so that's kind of where more the issues are but our our membership is like quite solid so it starts off in this kind of 200 to 19 people and and in the beginning it was just people you knew personally and then i guess it kind of spread like wildfire how did it grow so big and in such a short space of time Do you know completely organically i've never advertised it never put any money behind it it's always been organic um and i think at that point it's just good timing like the it, it was required it was needed you know it was it was a good place for people of all types of asians whether you're indian or pakistani or bangladeshi or even if you're not asian actually like people that were married to asian people really enjoyed the group people that were um a bit isolated from the community because they'd moved into kind of boonie land somewhere you know like really rural village that uh you know that didn't have access to a lot of asian stuff and you know then things like uh deliveries of spices and all that really came into their own i think it was just one of those things that people needed uh in their lives and there was a lot of kind of community spirit i mean there still is and from with recommendation particularly from the kind of practical like what lipstick is good and what you know what recipe can i use for if i want to make something it then turned a little corner and it was 
um, like quite advice seeking. So things like fertility and menopause and gosh, like domestic abuse and stuff like that. So it became quite um, deep. And it's it was really um, women supporting women. And I think people invited their friends because they thought this would be useful for them, or they could offer advice or someone had been in the situation. And yeah, and it just and it just grew like that, because I think it was just, you know, a good place to be for people mm. at that time and and it still is we seem to have kept the kind of sisterhood mm. as as the founder mm. how visible did you have to be you know in terms of did you constantly have to be present you know in there so people see you basically was it built around you because initially it started off around you and a group of uh, I don't know who knows 219 people <laughs> you know, in real life you know but it started with you and 219 of your friends and then it expanded from there so as it grew how visible did you need to be as a founder to keep that community spirit going and to keep the business alive so um at the beginning you know i would interact on every post and i would be like highly visible i wouldn't i wouldn't post a lot um because i didn't want people to be sick of me and i'm a bit of an introvert actually so um i di i didn't kind of want to overwhelm people with me um and i think the difference maybe between me and a lot of other facebook groups is actually i didn't have a business when i, I was working this was you know, a friendship circle that kind of grew, I had nothing to sell. And so when I was visible, it was more about asking the community stuff for myself, um, if I was to post or if I was to comment, like maybe give advice of something that I'd known. And I was like, on it. I mean, I remember that one of the first posts was somebody asking which shade of red lipstick was good for Asian skin. And I on my lunch break, I went into Debenhams and I tried every single shade of red lipstick so I could give them like a good answer. Like I wanted the quality of my answer to be good and genuine as well. So I was like, Clarence this or, you know, Mac that, or, you know, and, and try and just be as positive and um, nurturing, I suppose, as possible. I think at that stage, you're nurturing people in a community and, and you're being supportive and stuff. And then as it grew, they, they started supporting you each other so mm -hmm. I think now if I'm not there nobody <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> <is> there <laughs> I think be like all right well we'll just get on with it because I think when you like you you know what your what your rules are and what you want how you want the group to interact um people kind of understand like what you're trying to do and then they kind of behave the same way as well like, like you you attract people like yourself don't you mm. yeah it's, it's it's funny you said you're you're a bit of an introvert because i would have thought it was the opposite you know i mean to kind of be the kind of connector and you know pull all this together all the social i know you do um events as well hey gorgeous events you know you can tell us about in a minute um but so what were you so your personality type as you said you're more of an introvert so how does that balance itself with running a community full of people so i'm an introvert like if i go to a networking meeting i'm like I'm like the shyest person there and I don't really talk but actually I'm quite good at writing I mean you've seen some of the stuff that I've written and I'm 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 good at that at typing stuff out and I can you know um word a message quite nicely so and I think when you're kind of behind a keyboard it's easier to do that like I think you know if you go to my groups I don't really go live very often if I go live at all it's usually with somebody like if I'm doing an interview or something I wouldn't I'm not the kind of person that just could like sit there and uh, babble on about m myself or you know what I'm doing on a live but I can do it when when I'm writing and stuff so yeah it's weird and I think people are often surprised when I say that I'm not that kind of extroverted type of person that could just go into any room and just stop anybody but I think in this position you build relationships and those build those relationships make me confident talking to people and connecting people like if somebody comes to me and said says oh I, I need like an events company or something I know exactly who to put them in touch with so I'm confident in my knowledge mm. 
if that makes sense. It does. It does. And, and I get that because I can relate a lot to that. I'm, I'm very similar in the same way as well. So put me right in all of that kind of stuff, but put me in a room where I have to talk to people for hours. It's like I'm exhausted after a few, a few conversations. Like, Take me home, you know. So, so yeah. Okay. So you have, so it starts off with recommendation. That's primarily, that's only women. And then at some point, the men wanted a piece of the action, right? They so did. <laughs> ended up launching professional Asian. Tell us about that, how that came about. Yeah, I mean, I think I think men were like, there are two things that happened. One, they were very grateful. They're like, oh my God, you know, my my shelves have been sitting there for like six months and my wife found someone in your group, like a handyman and everything's done and I haven't had to do anything. Like they just, the, the women have just got on with it. They've taken some power, they've made some decisions and they're just like dealing with stuff that before they'd been waiting for their husbands to sort out. So I had a lot of people saying, oh, it's so great. And my wife's found a cleaner and she's found a beautician and she's found that. And so like, it was kind of changing people's lives in small ways. And then on the flip side, it was like, well, I want to be in it because I want to, you know, talk about my business or I want to tell people that I can do this and I can do that. And, you know, I can get some business out of it. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't talk about business in the same way. Mm -hmm we talk about life um, and then in some parts of your life you need products and services and that's where it comes into it but I don't like I think there was a lot of comfort that there were no guys in there so people felt comfortable talking mm -hmm. about menstruating and you know sex and you know kind of girly topics that that they wouldn't want kind of guys to see um, and so and then I was like but I don't think men communicate in the same way as women and I don't think I'd be able to bring that out in men to have these conversations that are like kind of deep and you know kind of about mental health and stuff they seem you know they, they might talk to each other but I don't think that I was the right person mm -hmm. to to run a forum for men um but the the I guess the common theme was about the business so I was like well there's a lot of female entrepreneurs we can support them and we can have a group for men as well and then we can kind of make recommendation more about you know lifestyle and professional Asian more about business. Uh, so it kind of worked for me to have somewhere to funnel people to. Yeah, so I mean, then, then it worked well. And then Hey Gorgeous was almost like an amalgamation of the two in the real world. So we had all these businesses in professional Asian that did clothes and jewellery and um, food items and um, craft items, so much stuff, like so much amazing stuff. And, mm. you know, we had these women in professional Asian that loved to shop, but they wanted to go and see and smell and speak to the business owners and check out the material and try things on and maybe a bit nervous about doing things online. And so Hey Gorgeous came about as like a big exhibition, I suppose. And that mm. has been going from strength to strength. Why did you call it Hey Gorgeous? That wasn't my idea. That was my business partner's idea. I don't know. It just stuck. It wasn't, you know, I guess you don't know what it's going to turn into. I didn't know what it was going to be. And Hey Gorgeous was like, it was about kind of pampering yourself and, you know, feeling good about yourself and, and everything. And and I think that's, we, we didn't want it to be like particularly Asian. We didn't know what would happen with it. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just a nice kind of generic name. We didn't want it to be like an Indian name, you know, because it is about the British Asian culture, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, so I can't take credit for it, but I love it. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do like it. I wonder how the men in your community feel about it, though. Do they go up to each other? Hey, gorgeous. You know, so. they do. Like when I go. So I do like an interview on radio on, on like a radio. And when I, I do the drive time show with Rod sometimes, um, just to talk about hey gorgeous and he loves it he'll be like hey gorgeous and you know when I when it uh, my dad as well when uh, now whenever I walk into the room he's like hey gorgeous that's his greeting uh -huh. and it's really cute so yeah so but it makes you feel good it makes you smile I think it does what it's supposed to do and actually more men have started coming to hey gorgeous it was predominantly female um mm. before, but guys come and they like it you know they find stuff for their house we've had like you know kitchen people in there and builders in there and you know um, audio visual people in there and so it's not just about you know the women's stuff now it's like men can find you know beauty products for men like beard 
beard oils and stuff like that they can find clothes for themselves shoes for themselves mm. you know there's stuff for them as well and children too so it's become a bit of a family thing mm. oh, that's so lovely and you just mentioned your dad you know and you know really getting into the spirit of the business and I know I think I saw your Instagram a little while back he had a picture with your dad and talking about how special he is to you so it doesn't sound like you had a traditionally cultural Asian upbringing it sounds like your your parents were a bit liberal or how was that or is that me reading too much between them no no um my dad was quite strict um but he like I said he was an entrepreneur he did like import export he was out of the country a lot and I and like it's weird because I always felt like he wasn't around very much so we didn't have like a close relationship because when he was here he was working if he wasn't working he was abroad uh and then he was like strict as well he didn't like me wearing makeup and and mm. you know wearing certain clothes and going out too much and so he was quite traditional uh and he wasn't around and it's only when I got older and I realized um you know especially now because you work like silly hours and mm. your mind's always switched on and and you do it for your children you do it because you want to give them a lifestyle and and my dad worked super hard and we actually had like a very comfortable life we had a nice house we had you know they had two cars they I went to private school you know they he grafted for everything and I never appreciated it until I was older and I'd gone through my teens and all the rebellious stages and all that kind of stuff mm. um my mum when she was little, she had polio. So she actually came to England when she was 11. So this was what, like in the 1950s because she needed treatment here and they couldn't afford to keep kind of going backwards and forwards. So and my my um, grandparents were in East Africa in, in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. And so she stayed here for I think she didn't go back till she was about 17, 18. And so she stayed in like lodges over the summer uh, over the summer holidays and the christmas holidays and everything and very very kind of british you eat everything on your plate everything was regimented and like timed and she's very like she will get up in the morning she has a routine that she has not changed for the last 80 80 years <laughs> 70 years so um you know so but she so she was a little bit more liberal but i think only because she'd spent so much time in this country and she'd kind of a little bit anglicized herself as well mm. um and so yeah so she was a little bit more kind of understanding and 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 stuff so yeah i was allowed to get away with a lot more with her <laughs> mm, that's nice and then, and then of course your 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 late husband was incredibly supportive as well oh, so yeah. when yeah when when did you actually make it to when did it how long did it take you to get to the place where your recommend asian professional asian and everything that you were doing was able to actually replace your income from your day job and you were like i don't ever need to go back to work because this is working how long did that take probably about three years before i could like really mm. you know appreciate what you know what i did i still didn't earn as much as I did in my other job, um, but it was enough. I could cover my bills. I could have like a, a decent, um, you know, lifestyle. And I think in some ways it was a blessing. You know, things always happen for a reason. And around that time was when Cham started to get really ill. He had kidney problems and his kidneys were failing. And I just think I... I was in a position where even if I did have a job, I wouldn't have been able to go to work because mm. there was so much needed uh, that I needed to be around for. So, you know, when he got really ill, then I, I had to kind of look after him. He went on to dialysis. I was like his dialysis nurse when he <laughs> when he came home. And, I, you know, I um, kind of hooked him up to the machine and everything. Um, you know, I would take him to his hospital appointments. He had to have... Gosh, he had to have his leg amputated. So I was, you know, at home kind of nursing him, going through, like taking him to physio and everything. So I think it was such a blessing having this business because I could literally take him while I was waiting for him. I could work work on my phone. Mm. I, you know, everything runs on my phone. I could do my emails. I could do my, um, you know, my Facebook stuff, any Instagram stuff. I could pra do practically everything on my phone. Um, mm. And and so I think that flexibility, you know, with him and then the children and everything, it it just it made the biggest difference in my life. And I don't think I would have been able to hold down a job. Um mm -hmm. or I would have been at work 
and he would have had to get someone to help him um mm. but he only ever wanted me he like he's he's the opposite of me because he's an extrovert like he would love it he loved walking to a room and like <laughs> meeting people and like i'd want to be on holiday kind of getting a tan and reading my book and he'd be wanting to talk to like anyone in the pool and you know he was completely different and because he was like that I think he wanted to hide a lot of the bad stuff that was happening. I think he mm -hmm. never wanted anyone to feel sorry for him. He never kind of, you know, that look that people give you, they're like, oh, like, yeah. he didn't, like he didn't want any pity or anything. He just wanted to kind of, you know, be the, the strong, vibrant person that he was. Um, mm. And so I think he literally only trusted me to do all this stuff with him. Um, and it, so it gave me the opportunity to be the, the wife he needed, still bring home some money. And when lockdown happened, honestly, everything went online and it was, you know it was it was really good uh for, for me because people were like pivoting their businesses you know they wanted to market quickly and everything so it was really good for me um mm -hmm. and that's when it kind of you know started to come into its own mm -hmm. and yeah um you know I was able to hire yeah, a couple of staff and you know my team are amazing um yes. I could put a bit of money into the business mm -hmm. um and and help it grow um that way and then yeah and then sadly on christmas day uh we lost him to christmas day 2022 so it was, just, it, it was christmas day itself yeah and it, you know he's he was always in a, and out of hospital so we never kind of thought anything about this time either we're like okay he'll be out and I, like I was saying to him, I said, I was like, you should go to hospital. He was like, I don't want to go to hospital. And I said, you don't want to go to hospital because you don't want to be in hospital over Christmas. I know what you're like. Mm. And he, like he loved Christmas. Christmas was, he, it was like his only day off because he also had his own business. He had a restaurant. Mm. So it was the only day that the restaurant was closed. And, um, and he loved it. Um, but his he had a kidney transplant that failed um and so he was due to go back on dialysis but when you have a transplant you're on a lot of immunosuppressant and um he just he got an infection and he just couldn't fight it and and you know that that was that and and he the restaurant is in North London and he had loads and loads of customers that like knew him really well. He had very good relationships with them. And I guess he was like, he knew loads of people. And then because of my business, I knew loads of people. And so I think that was hard because word had start, like I didn't want people that I guess I had, you know, such good relationships with. And so, and so did he to, um, to find out from anybody other than me, mm. you know, like I didn't want, you know, I didn't want it to be like all over social media without me kind of having my say to to kind of just say, you know, thank you uh, to everybody who like kind of supported him over the years and everything. Um, and like, it, it's weird because when you're kind of more in the, the public eye, I guess you your first thought goes to, OK, what is everyone in my community going to think, mm. you know, they're going to say and everything um and and i built such good relationships with them that I, like i'm not a stranger anymore i wanted them to hear from me like you build you build really good connections even though it's a, bit, a, a business like like people become your friends yeah so i mean and then i was like oh but i don't want to ruin people's christmas either <laughs> either because mm. it's like a, it's a big it's sad news on christmas day as well but you know it already started going out on like whatsapp groups and stuff like that so okay mm. let's just um let everyone know that you know he's passed on and mm -hmm. peace and he's not in pain anymore um and then how did you do that was it did you put out a post on your facebook group social media that kind not, of thing? not not my group so put it on my personal facebook mm -hmm because that that was like you know mine I suppose mm. <laughs> um, yeah uh, so yeah so I put it on my personal that day and then I think I put it on the groups the next day um and just just the gosh the amount of support that amount of, I literally got thousands of thousands and thousands of messages like mm. so many um and, and like it it was phenomenal and I think that kind of gives you a sense of um like 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 people kind of have got you you know there's so many prayers so many you know good wishes uh you know for him to to rest in peace and to you know and for me to be strong and um 
there was just so much love and support around me that it was yeah it was phenomenal I can't even describe it it was it was amazing and I think that kind of gave me a lot of strength as well um Mm -hmm. and then did you feel like you had to be strong for your public face let's just put it that way um no I didn't I I was very much I'm just gonna feel what I feel and Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't, when you lose someone, you know, people say, be strong, be strong. And there are times that you don't want to be strong. You just want to cry, Mm. right? You just want to grieve. And I think it's really important to grieve. Like, I think my son obviously felt like he had to kind of step up and be the man of the house. And he, I think he held it all in because he felt he had to be strong. And then I think about three months afterwards, he, you know, he got really upset and it hit him really hard. Whereas I, me and my daughter were just like, if we wanted to cry, we'd just have a big old cry. Um, and we'd be, we'd get, you know, get it out of the system for the time being. Um, and, and just deal with it differently. But I think I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to be anything other than I was, but I did kind of report in, I suppose. I felt like so many people were kind of, you know, sending me so much love and they were obviously going to be a kind of a bit worried about me or concerned or, you know, feel like, I wonder how she's doing that I felt like I should you know engage with them to say look this is what I'm going through and I think that other thing about particularly about recommendation and stuff is I really think that we we need to talk talk about things that people don't talk about mm-hmm. and we've and we've always done that we're okay with talking about things like fertility and menopause and things that were a bit hush hush um and taboo and I I didn't I didn't want grief to be like a taboo I didn't want I I didn't want people to like not talk about it because I think it really helped me to talk about it the more I talked about it the more it helped me and it helped other people um because everyone just kind of keeps it to themselves um so so I did share a lot of my journey and and what I was feeling and you know how it felt and you know getting ready for his funeral and how it felt you know kind of being on my own and there's still so much like I have to say because like you think about it every day and while I'm doing my work and you know doing the exhibitions and I'm keeping myself really busy I think if I wasn't busy I don't know what kind of you know state I would be in but I feel Mm -hmm. like he was the one that supported me in this journey and you know the biz having my own business helped him when he was alive because I could be there and all but when in his death it helps me because it gives me something to focus on and I love it like I really enjoy it like I wouldn't mm. I wouldn't have carried on if I didn't like have a passion for it um mm. and like it's not I think when you love some something it's not kind of like work it's just you know apart from like doing the accounts and the admin and all that kind of stuff mm. I get to meet so many different people you know, every single day I get to interact with people. I get to see businesses grow. You know, I get to see, you know, how they they post and like an insight into them. And it, like for me, it's all really interesting and it's and it's fun. And I get to meet the, these incredible, incredible people behind these businesses. And, you know, and I hear their stories as well. And they're not all like rosy. There's lots of women uh, that have started businesses after, you know, they've got kind of empty nest syndrome and the kids have grown up and they're like in their 40s and stuff or you know they want to change career or they've got a side hustle that you know they're making like into their main income stream and they're studying and they're going to you know courses and they're learning stuff and they're teaching stuff and it's just like you know they're all queens as far as I'm concerned they're all queens and you know I get to spend every day with people that are doing incredible things Mm, which is amazing yeah yeah it is to do that, right? Yeah, it is totally amazing. And and like you said, that so it's like the community's kind of become your extended family, which has helped you through this um whole period, you know, of, of um losing your husband. And how how did you return to it's probably not the correct term because it's it's not gonna be business as usual, but how did you return to business as usual after Shan's death and how how soon did you do that um so it was Christmas day obviously so nobody was really working at that time um so new year I think after so I gave myself some time uh the funeral was in the new year um 
and actually we had a Hey Gorgeous schedule and Hey Gorgeous is a really expensive exhibition to put on because we have a massive hall, like we have a hundred exhibitors. So you imagine the size, all our deposits had gone down, everything, you know, was in motion. And, um, and I, like, I guess I, I kind of had no choice as well. Like I had to, I had to do it because I wasn't going to let all these people down that, you know, had paid their money or they paid their deposit and stuff and they were, you know, ready to exhibit. Um, and I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to do it to them. Like these are their livelihoods as well. You know, this is important for them. So it was important for me. Um, and Sham loved Hey Gorgeous. Like, oh, he, he would like sit there all day and he would like greet everybody. And he was like, he was, you know, it was one of his favorite things. And I know that he was super proud of it as well so I mean I think that was easy because I, I you know I knew what I was doing it was you know I, I knew a lot of the exhibitors you know it was it was it was fine actually you know and it was good for me to focus on something so it was a few weeks probably um and if I needed time out I would take time out if I didn't want to go to work that day I just you know ring the girls and say sorry I can't face it today I need I need to do my day um, you know, or I just, I just say I just work from home and just do things at my own pace. I didn't put any pressure on myself to do anything other than deliver Hey Gorgeous. Mm. And and like I, I read in um, one of your posts on Instagram, you know that that you find that people generally don't like to talk about the depth of the impact of the of loss. So when you go through loss, like they're like really going into it because it's uncomfortable for people. Sometimes they don't know what to say. They don't know what not to say. So it, it's kind of what has been the depth of the of the loss for you. I mean, he, he's clearly is more than just your husband. It's someone who's like your cheerleader as well. What do you miss most about not having him around? I think you just miss, li I miss little things. I miss kind of, you know, waking up in the morning with him. You know, I miss the like million phone calls a day that, <laughs> that we used to have. Um, you know, I miss his sense of humour and like, you know, sometimes I just think, oh, I know what he would say if he was here or I know what he would do or think or, you know, he's constantly, he's constantly on my mind, but I also feel like... I'm very grateful for the relationship I had. I think I, I was I was married before and I was divorced and that wasn't a happy marriage. And I think it's, you know, there's so many people that have unhappy marriages. And I had, like, I was married, we were married for like eight years. I was with him for 10. And I think those 10 years, you know, he was like my best friend and, and he made me laugh and he made me smile and, you know, I guess I'm just grateful to have had that. It's like one of the things I said in my post is, you know, you don't ask why was he taken away. I asked why was he given to me? And when I think about why he was given to me, he changed my life. You know, he changed my income. He changed my path. He changed, you know, he changed everything about, you know, what I did. And not only did he change me, he enabled me to change other people's lives. And so like it's his legacy uh, as well, because I wouldn't have been able to do it without him, without that support, without that go ahead, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so he's given me like so many opportunities and I don't feel like I, like I don't want to waste them. I want to just carry on. And like, I'm a strong believer in heaven and I think he's there and I think his soul is living on. And, you know, when when my time with, will come, then, you know, we'll be together again. And in the meantime, I think he, despite everything he went through, he never gave up on life. Like he enjoyed every moment and he enjoyed it on his terms. Like I'd be like, oh, you know, don't eat that. That's so bad for you, you know. And he's like, look, I'm not going to be here. Like I think he, we both knew that he wasn't going to have like a really long life. And he's like, I don't want, you know, I'm not going to be here that long. Let me just enjoy myself. <laughs> you know, let me go out on you know, have uh, go out with the boys and go on a bender if I want to, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, you, you do you, you know, you have to enjoy, um, you know, the, the time on this earth is, you know, relatively short and you have to just enjoy what, what you do and where you go. And he loved his job. He loved his friends. He loved his Carlsberg. <laughs> he, loved, he loved good food. He loved going out to eat and he just did everything he wanted to on his terms. And I think he would be very upset 
if he thought that I wasn't living my best life, even if it's not with him, you know, I think he taught me enough to show me that, you know, you need to just be grateful for what you have and you need to you know, find a new way of living, you know, it's just, it's an adjustment, but it's not an impossible adjustment, you know. Mm. So I'm grateful that he was in my life and for everything that he taught me. And like, I feel like, you know, in some ways he's still around um, and, and looking after me and, you know, that, that I don't have a choice. When someone dies, you don't have a choice. You don't have to say in it, you know, yeah. the only thing you can, you know, control is yourself and, and you know to some extent your mindset like it's very hard because you know you've got your heart feeling one way you've got your head feeling another and um but I just I guess I just like to like even when I have a cry I just trying to think to myself oh you know but remember all the fun times remember all the laughs we had remember what he said about this or what he used to do with that and that kind of kind of fills my heart with joy again that mm. Uh, it's it's difficult and I think everyone sees it differently but I just think he was in so much pain you know he wasn't he was his health wasn't good and I and I do think that you know he would have been quite miserable uh you know in that condition because they said that he's not going to get better quickly if he does pull through this um and uh, yeah, I think he, I think he would have just been, uh, honestly, I think knowing him, he would rather have just been at peace than be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what I'm hoping that, that he feels free and he feels at peace and he can like run around and he's got his legs and he's got his kidneys and he might mm-hmm. have even thrown his hair back, who knows, <laughs> but he can, <laughs> you know, I he's he's just you know, doing him up there, knocking about with, you know, my grandparents and <laughs> you know his grandparents and mm. um, you know and and I, I also believe that like you know in the in the context of eternity our lives here are very short and he if he's got eternity in heaven then that's what I wish him you know yeah that's that's powerful um that is really lovely the way you describe what you two had and the perspective that you're sharing about it's not what you've lost but what you had the opportunity to gain while he was with you. And I think that's really beautiful to hear, you know. So I think as we're kind of rounding this up, um, um, I, I'm curious to know kind of how do you feel that you've grown as a person through, firstly, through your business, you know, from the person who started the business, you know, not quite knowing about entrepreneurship and what all that is about to who you are today. And then also through this period of loss that you've been through, that you're going through, you know, kind of how have you grown and what have you learned about yourself in both of those processes? Wow, that's a really good question. I think I think with the business, I think I probably am more comfortable being myself and I say that because I think I'm a kind of a, a bit of a people pleaser. And during my corporate career, I think I wanted to be like more strategic, more like red rather than green. <laughs> you know, those Myers-Briggs tests and everything you get. It's like, you know, you fall into a quadrant and I never wanted to be in my quadrant. I wanted to be like the powerful position quadrant, what I saw as a powerful position quadrant. And I think when I reflect, I think, you know, recommendation wouldn't have come about and been what it is if I wasn't a people pleaser if I didn't go that extra mile and go check out all the red lipsticks in Debenhams like do you know what I mean I I wouldn't have you know I think it's what it's done it's made me more comfortable being me and proud of things that I was ashamed not ashamed of but I wish were different before Mm -hmm. so I think like that I feel like a lot more that this is it's okay to be the way you are because you can always do something with it and there's reasons people are in different quadrants because you need different people to kind of balance life in general um and so I think I you know that was that was the biggest takeaway for me that I was like you know what I'm I'm okay the way that I am I don't really need to change I don't need to be anybody else except myself and that's quite a big weight off your shoulders when you're constantly striving to be something that you're not um so that was that was probably the best thing that has come out of all of this for me is just being able to be me and like I'm happy like I tell you I'm introvert I'm not ashamed of it it's Mm -hmm. the way I am and I'm okay with it um Mm -hmm. you know and and obviously you learn a lot about you know practical 
things, social media, I can help a lot of people and advise a lot of people in a way that I couldn't before. And that was just all kind of learning on the job. So, I mean, that's been really good. And I've met some incredible people that I wouldn't have been able to meet. And I think that makes you grow. I think, you know, when they say be around people that, you know, are kind of better than you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and I, you know, and when I say better than me, I'm not saying that, you know, other people are not as good as me. What I'm saying is like people have different strengths. Like you yeah. are LinkedIn queen, like I bow to you at LinkedIn. <laughs> I bow to your Facebookness. <laughs> so it's not that I'm better than you or you're better than me. It's that we have different skill sets and I can learn a lot from you and you can learn a lot from me and we we complement each other like that and I think you know I'm around people that you know are very uplifting and and have a lot of knowledge about things that I don't know about and you know we learn from each other and I think that's been amazing because I think you know life is a constant journey of learning and I don't have time to read I barely listen to podcasts but I <laughs> I learn a lot from the people that I, you know, that I'm surrounded by. Um, mm. and, and I think that's incredible as well, because it means that you're always like growing as a person. So the growth is continuous yeah. and the improvement hopefully is continuous. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to listen to your podcast. I don't mean that. I was going to say, you better listen to this one. <laughs> I, I tend not to listen to myself, to be honest, because it's, it's one of those things. But I do, no, but I do like listening to people that, you know, have had stories with some substance to them. Mm -hmm. No, and, and it is good and that, yeah but uh, yeah I find a lot uh, I find a lot generally out there people are just fantastic mm -hmm. and then did you say as a result of yeah so with with your with your husband's past and coming up to a year kind of thing and what you've had to process mm -hmm. like how has that changed you as a person what have you learned about yourself in that process you know weirdly um when I got divorced obviously I was a single mum for a while and that was like a traumatic experience in my life but it showed me that I could be uh you know independent and look after the children and everything and I think I think when I lost Sham I wasn't as scared because I knew I'd been there before like this is different because you know I didn't want to be there but I think I had been there so I was I was okay because I like I knew I'd done it before and I could do it again. Um, so I wasn't I probably didn't have a lot of fears around around things that maybe other people that have been with their partners their whole lives have because they've never been alone. Um, mm. So uh, and also the children were a bit older, you know, they're more self-sufficient. So I think, you know, I was but I came to that realization after Sham died that, you know what, I'm actually as awful as it is going through like a bad marriage I'm actually grateful for that because I know that I can handle this mm. um and so and I think when you when you look at things you know with gratitude and stuff you draw a lot of strength from them too and you know I was never you know grateful for having a, a rubbish marriage until that point that I was like mm. you know I can do this um and I think how else did I grow I think I became a lot more visible, weirdly. I think I have, I had something to say about something that not a lot of people talk about um, and sharing my experience. And I think the, the more that I've shared it over the last 10 months, the more feedback I've got that it's so good that you're sharing this. And so, you know, it, it's made me share more almost because I've you know been quite a private person I don't you know I talk about stuff on the groups obviously but when it comes to my feelings and like mm -hmm. what I'm going through in my personal life I didn't really share very much like I think everybody that didn't know me personally uh, but knew me via the groups was quite surprised because I didn't talk about Sham's health I didn't talk about any of that mm -hmm. um and so like it was a bit of a shock like oh I didn't know that your husband was so sick um so uh, yeah I think it kind of gave me a bit of confidence um just to talk about like where I was at and what I was feeling and and the more I talk the more people seem to like like what I say or associate with it or have been through that journey themselves and like you know maybe had a different perspective mm. um or didn't feel so alone and you know that helping people is my thing mm. so mm. I just you know I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to have that voice and it's definitely made me you know visible 
in in that respect mm-hmm. that is awesome 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 and i can only imagine how you're just gonna go from strength to strength and you know in your as a person and in your business as well which is really amazing um to to hear and to see so as we close this out what is next for you in terms of what you're up to and how can we connect with you and plug into what you're doing so what's next for me mm. So I mean, I'm busy with Hey Gorgeous. I'm not, I haven't like kind of thought too far ahead, but I've actually decided to freeze January, uh, December out, not do anything except focus on like strategically, where am I going next? Um, And so we've got like big team stuff going on and going to just kind of focus because to be honest, I'm not really sure, you know, everything has changed so much this year, you know, and then I guess I've been catching up and not really kind of forward planning as much as I should. Um, So I'm just going to, you know, kind of stop work in in the kind of sales element and the the membership and just resume that in January and then spend December really hyper-focusing on right, where are we going to go? What what can we do better? What can we do differently? You know, how can we make, you know, businesses pop even more, um, spend a bit more time on it, like our Instagram strategy and stuff. So it's recommendation and professional Asian on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then I would like to actually try and get out of my comfort zone. So there's a bit of personal development. So I'm doing like a public speaking course with Anila Dami, who's a um, news presenter. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. And so doing some kind of personal development as well, because I mean, that's part of being visible as well. I mean, I know when I'm talking to you, I, I'm like, well, like, like, I know. Um, um, and now that's not a good look for me. This is why I don't watch anything back. <laughs> because I'm like, but you tell great stories and you tell them so well (laughs) i could play bingo on the ums and the likes and the you knows so um so i want to try and be more articulate and and speak better (laughs) (laughs) and be a bit more confident and I, i like i you know i want to be able to go into a room full of strangers and at least like have the courage to say hello to a few people um, instead of just being like, you know, that wallflower that I am. I mean, I'm fine when it's my own event. I can talk to everybody because I know everybody. Mm. Um, but when it's somebody else's event, I do I do feel like I need to um, just be better at communicating. And, uh, you know, and my LinkedIn is terrible. So obviously I'll, I'll have well, to... Well, you know, who to go to for that one? <laughs> I do. I'll be running. Um, <laughs> So I, I I don't have big plans yet. I'm mm-hmm. planning to have plans, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think Hey Gorgeous, it's doing so well. We do it twice a year in Harrow. Um, so the next one is in March. And I, I like what's happening with it. And uh, so we have a... <laughs> So you ha- we have what I call a risk pot, which is a little pot of money that we can just take a few risks with. And if we lose it, it's okay. And if we if it works, then that's even obviously even better. But I think, you know, it's a good idea to to kind of obviously you need your income and you need, you know, whatever your um, basic costs are and doing something and you want to put a little bit of buy to you know, invest in your business, maybe a, a later stage or a rainy rainy day fund or whatever. But I think it's good to have a little bit of a risk, um, you know, risk risky kind of. Shall we try it? Shall we not? Okay, let's let's go and see what it what happens. So so every year we've you know put like maybe just like a thousand pounds into something that we wouldn't normally <laughs> like thousand mm-hmm. like 1500 and just uh, kind of see what happens and some things have failed abysmally and that's okay and some things have been amazing which is amazing so you know we're gonna try and tweak things every time and see what what what's going to happen in the next Hey Gorgeous and we're going to tweak a few things and try a few new things and hopefully they'll work out um and then I would really like to take it to different parts of the country because it's so popular we had like 8,000 people over the weekend last time 
Wow. So I would really like to be able to take it to like Birmingham or Leicester or like somewhere in the Midlands, mm-hmm. somewhere up north. Um, because I think, you know, there's lots of community people there that, that would love some of this stuff, like the whole fusion stuff and the innovation that we have and just some of the beaut- beautiful, beautiful kind of saris and ornaments and, you know, jewellery and stuff like that. So I would, that's what I would really like to do. Mm. Wow, amazing, amazing. For someone who's planning to make plans, that's <laughs> quite a few plans and they all sound fantastic. So that is, I'm definitely rooting for you and I'll keep an eye out for these events and your posts on social media. So thank you so much for coming on, on here on Start Being Visible and for being so open to talk about your journey, to talk about your loss and, you know, to just kind of talk about where you're going in life. It's been um, really great to hear from you, Zamiha. Um, so thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Mildred. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. And and it's Instagram. Is that the best place to reach you um, personally? Because you do some great posts on Instagram. Are you happy for people to follow you there too absolutely follow me i've got like we've got three profiles i've got my personal one i've got my the recommendation one and the uh, professional agent wherever you want to go mm-hmm. you're okay very welcome to to just kind of have a little glimpse into my life brilliant and we'll do that we'll share all of those links in the, sh- in the show notes so Thank you, Zamiha, and um, for joining us today. And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of Start Being Visible. Remember, if you have enjoyed this show, please, please spread the word, um, leave a review, and most importantly, hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes. We come out every week on a Wednesday. So thank you, and I'll see you again next time. You've been listening to the Start Be Invisible podcast with me, Mildred Talavi. If you're a female leader or a woman in business and you're ready to start your own journey to be invisible on LinkedIn and beyond, get in touch with me via LinkedIn or reach out to me through my website at startbeinvisible.com. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your way out and I'll see you next week for another five episodes.